Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna, and I'm so glad you could join us today for my conversation with Max Lucado. Uh, I'm going to get to his bio in just a second, but uh, I just wanted to set up for you kind of what God was doing inside of me as in this conversation, kind of you know, what what uh, he was orchestrating, because I think it's just going to be an encouragement to you, and maybe also as a reminder that God does orchestrate things in our lives to get our attention to kind of set us up to learn things and kind of lead us along the path. So just you can get your radar up and say, okay, God, uh, what are you saying to me right now? Because if you've been around this podcast for a while, episode number 14, I had a conversation with Mark Renfro. Uh, We're talking about the challenges of life. Now, you can go back and listen to that if you haven't. It was a great conversation. But after we got done recording that, I was still talking with Mark, and, and he gave me a book recommendation called Happiness. And it's about 500 pages long, and it's kind of a verse-by-verse, kind of overarching uh, concept of what's going on in the Bible when it comes to the subject of happiness. And I'm about 250 pages through that book, some great stuff, kind of just detailed things on what the Bible says about happiness. But at the same time, I got this other advanced copy of this book about how Christians can have more fun. And so I'm reading that book. Now, that interview hasn't happened yet. but uh, that, So those two things are going on at the same time. And at that point, I reach out to uh, Max Locato's team because I've been following him for years and said, I'd love to have him on the show if he's interested. Does he have any books coming out? And so they write back and say, sure, he'd love to be on the show. Uh, he, he has a book coming out, How Happiness Happens. <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, I get it. You're trying to teach me something. And uh, how practically to live out the happiness that the Bible describes. And uh, Max Lucano does an amazing job in this uh, book that's uh, just coming out uh, on how happiness happens, how to experience that as a Christian and a follower of Jesus. And so I think you're going to enjoy this conversation and also uh, the book that's connected with it so that you can just grow in your uh, walk with Jesus. Now, uh, Max probably doesn't need much of an introduction. Uh, he is a best-selling author, sold over 100 million copies across 54 languages worldwide. As he, you know, we say at the beginning of the conversation, he's uh, like 40 different books that he's written. Uh, his pastor, Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas, uh, where he's created a lot of his material uh, as a uh, you know sermon prep and things like that that kind of becomes the uh, genesis of these books. Uh, Max Lucado has been dubbed America's pastor by Christianity Today. Reader's Digest calls him the best preacher in America. New York Times calls Max one of the most influential leaders in social media. He's been featured on countless uh, media outlets throughout the years. USA Today, Good Morning America, Today. Today Show, NPR, CNN, Fox, and Friends, and now the Christ Connection podcast. So without further ado, my conversation with Max Lucado. All right, Max Lucado, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's a it's a real honor to talk to you. Well, it's uh, great to talk to you about your uh, latest uh, book. Now, what number of book is this for you? Or do you even keep track at this point? I should have, I should have tallied it up. I, <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it kind of Kevin depends on how you count them. But if you, but if you're listing the what they call the the nonfiction 
uh, adult trade books like this one. I think this is number 42, <laughs> 43 or number four. 42, 43. Wow. That's like having so many kids you don't know how many that you have. <laughs> well, some people go for uh, quality. I just stick with quantity. <laughs> I, I, I doubt that. That's not the case here. But uh, – I, I really enjoyed. I've read an advanced reader's copy and really enjoyed. Uh, and I'm uh, looking forward to diving into. But I did want to, right before we hit record, you were talking about uh, launching a prayer uh, for pastors' ministry in your church, uh, and I just would love for you to share that with our audience, given uh, what we. Well, do I, know, I know you have a heart to recruit people to pray for pastors, and that really resonates with me. I've been a pastor of a, of a domestic church since 1988, and then I was a pastor in Brazil from 83 to 88. And then prior to that, I was an associate pastor uh, for three years in Miami, Florida. So I'm, I'm 40 years into this, and uh, I do believe that praying for our pastor is absolutely essential. So I, we could spend our whole session talking about <laughs> why, but basically, I mean, that's, that's the attack uh, sequence of the devil. If he can bring down the pastor or discourage the pastor, then he brings down the church and discourages the church. So uh, years ago, I want to say 1991 or two, I was invited by John Maxwell to come out and preach at his church. At that time, he was in San Diego, California. And um, he uh, he said, I want to give you some unsolicited advice. He said, go home and recruit 120 prayer partners who will commit themselves to pray for you and your family your ministry every single day. And uh, we came at the number of 120 because that's how many uh, people were present on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and indwelt the church. And uh, and so I did. I did. And I'm, I've always been a little self-conscious. I didn't want to, didn't want to come across as self-promoting, but I, I felt like that makes sense. And so I did. And uh, we can point to a significant spike in a variety of things from um, church attendance to number of baptisms, uh, really just to, uh, even in my own ministry, I had some really, what I look back on as important books that I wrote early in, in that time. And I think, I really believe it's because we had 120 people uh, committed to pray for my wife and me, our family, our, our marriage, every single day. I love that. Uh, thanks uh, for, uh, for sharing that. And hopefully that inspires uh, uh, someone out there to, uh, whether it's a pastor to pray for their, uh, to recruit some people or for someone just listening saying, hey, I can, I can pray for my pastor. So uh, this latest book, How Happiness Happens, uh, is what was kind of the inspiration? Uh, uh, why, why happiness and what, what inspired yeah. that? Yeah. I, I think I think what first inspired this is uh, you know sometimes it's not just one thing but two or three simultaneous things. Uh, on one hand, uh, I, I want I wanted to talk to the church about basic relationships, kind of how to how to live in the world, how to get along with people, uh, kind of a, a you know personal relationship. Uh, one-on-one, uh, one-on-one, one -on -one. and uh, and I wanted to do that by using the one another passages in the Bible. Uh, there are many, many one another passages: love one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, on and on and on. And it dawned on me as I began reading those uh, 
something else, and that is really the, the, the one another passages are for our benefit as much as maybe even more uh, as for those with whom we interact. And I realize that this is, uh, when, when Jesus said it's better to give than receive, he was giving us a secret for happiness. I mean, a genuine secret for happiness. So I began digging around on this whole idea of how happy are we as a culture? I was stunned, Kevin. I was stunned at the research that documents that though we have more possessions, though our job rate is up, though our um, average income is up, though uh, we have more gadgets and tools and able to do things more than anyone else, uh, we are some of the most unhappiest people on the earth, we being the United States. Uh, only about one in three people would say they are genuinely happy. Only about one in three. That's really stunning when you think about you, that two out of three people you see on a given day cannot muster enough joy to check, I'm pretty happy, on the happiness questionnaire. And so uh, those two ideas came together. I thought, okay, uh, not only are we unhappy, but here the Lord has given us a tool. It's, it's kind of a back door to happiness. It's a surprising approach to happiness. And, and I began to marry those two ideas together. I, I loved the, how you, well, I love your writing. So in general, that it was good to come at this subject from your perspective. But uh, what, uh, any idea of why happiness is the way it is or why it's hard to find today? I think we're looking for it in the wrong places. Um, I do think that uh, the the uh, that often described pathway to happiness has to do with what I do for me. That's it, and it, it, what I can acquire, what I can aspire, what I when I can retire, when I can drive fast, drive faster, when I can dress <laughs> trendier, when I can drink more, when I have uh, a better car to park in my my closet or, or I mean in my garage or nicer clothes to hang in my closet. I mean, it's all wrapped up in uh, this wide, what I call the wide front door to happiness. And yet it simply fails to deliver. It simply fails to deliver. I remember one study of uh, Illinois uh, state lottery winners who were asked to rank their level of happiness. And it turns out that their level of happiness was just slightly more, not significantly, but just slightly more than those who had been uh, uh, victims of a serious accident. And so here are people who have won the lottery and they're just slightly happier than somebody who's who's been paralyzed from a from a car accident. So even the thrill of winning the lottery, uh, uh, you know, it just wears off. That's why we've all seen uh, happy peasants and unhappy millionaires. Uh, and that is because we, we just don't get it. And so what I'm trying to do, I, I think happiness is a moral obligation. I think I owe it to my family and I owe it to you. I owe it to everybody I work with to do my best to be happy. Because the happier I am, the more productive I am, the better decisions I make, uh, the more constructive I am in society. The more miserable I am, you know, misery is, is contagious. And if I'm grumpy and miserable, I, I just I just infect the world with that. And so I think that if we can figure out a way to rediscover uh, for, for ourselves how happiness happens, 
we do the whole world a, a, gen, a wonderful thing. Well, I think <clears throat> you basically gave us a buffet table of how to find happiness with your uh, 10 uh, principles there. There's all, all sorts of ways to... Uh, and so you offered uh, 10 principles for making happiness happen. Uh, which for you personally, was there any, you know, kind of the one that kind of was the biggest blessing or one that was more yeah, difficult? That's a great question. That's a great question. You know, uh, I think the quick, if, I, if somebody were to say, okay, uh, some of these are, are kind of heavy duty, like, like Jesus said, forgive one another. Okay, that's one thing to say, but boy, if you're a victim of, of something serious, it's a hard thing to do. I still believe forgiveness leads to happiness, but that might not be the first one you tackle. But what you could tackle is encourage one another to become a source of verbal encouragement. Uh, Jesus really uh, modeled this with, for example, the story of Peter, Simon Peter. Uh, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You know, uh, flesh has not revealed this to you, but God has after he confessed Jesus as the son of God. He encouraged him. He encouraged him. He said, way to go. Way to go. I was surprised to find out that uh, in athletics, if you want your baseball uh, team to hit better, there is significant improvement happens when you encourage the batter as opposed to when you discourage the batter. The best thing you can do for that baseball player as he's going up to bat is say to him something or to her something like, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. You're going to really knock it out of the park. So I'm trying myself, Kevin, to be a better encourager. Yesterday, I went in and I had my eyes examined. I didn't realize it had been three years since my last eye exam. <laughs> so it's not something that makes my priority list, for sure. Uh, but there I was sitting in the chair, and this uh, lady, who, who's, her, her job is to get, get the patients ready for the eye exam. Uh, and, and she did a fine job. She was very thorough. She was very polite. I could tell she had done it a million times. Uh, she, she mentioned she's getting close to retirement. She's been doing this for 30 years. And so here's what I did at, at a certain point, uh, after she had had me read the, the, uh, the letters on the eye chart, I said, can I say something to you? And she stopped. I bet she was expecting a complaint. I said, I want to tell you, you have amazing people skills, amazing people skills. That's all I said. She stopped dead in her tracks, dead in her tracks. And she looked at me and she smiled and she said, that means everything to me. Who knows what kind of day she's had. But I, I would bet you 10 bucks that if she went home that evening and her husband said, well, what was the high point of, her, of your day? She very well might have said, well, this odd guy uh, told me I have good people skills. You know what that cost me, Kevin? That cost me uh, in, in terms of effort, nothing, nothing. It cost me nothing. In fact, I came out of there happy. I thought, good. I did something good for her. It's not on any news broadcast. Uh, it's not in, uh, going to make any, uh, you know, uh, any, in any newspaper, but I think that's so. So here's my point. My day was better. Her day was better just because I obeyed that injunction in the scripture that says, encourage one another. And I think we can start right there, and people would be amazed how much better their day will be. 
You had mentioned uh, John Maxwell. Uh, He's been known for saying encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. Uh, uh, Probably uh, uh, taking your point, uh, encouragement is also for our soul. Uh, That's right. Does something inside of us as as much as it does. It really does. And and conversely, discouragement. Discouragement is bad for the doer, bad for the hearer. It just pulls us down. I'm not saying that we gloss over uh, every, you know, weakness and pretend that everything is fine. But I tell you, there is something good in every person that a person can find. may take a while, but find that good thing in that person and bring it out. Uh, now I, I want to make sure, since you do have an entire chapter on prayer, I got to get to got to get to the the prayer chapter. <laughs> uh, looking at the relationship of uh, uh, of how of prayer and encourage, I mean prayer and happiness. Uh, how has uh, that been changed by examining uh, the subject? What I mean, coming at it again, uh, how do you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, this particular uh, teaching comes out of James chapter 5 and verse 16. Uh, James said, pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, Someone we know and someone you know is under attack right now. They're they're in need of prayer. Uh, Maybe they need to be healed from a physical affliction. Maybe they need to be healed from an emotional affliction or from a relational affliction. But all of us know that somebody is being attacked. When we pray for one another, we actually partner with God on behalf of that person. One source of unhappiness is this feeling of, well, I don't make a difference. I can't change the world. Or I am just me. But the, the power of prayer is that we actually partner with God. We stand beside God and we say, God, I agree with you that this person is in need of help. And so... Uh, the, the big takeaway of prayer is that it blesses the person for whom we're praying. But the secondary blessing of prayer is that it, that it lifts off of my shoulders that sense of, well, I can't make a difference. The world is going to hell. I can't make it. Cha- I can't change it. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And when you pray, you have done uh, you have done everything. You have done the best thing you can do for that person. <coughs> is it? uh it's talking about a, a a happiness that comes inside just from connecting with God too. I suppose just that yeah uh, that that in, well I guess uh, this is not a this is not a shameless plug but my my first book was enjoying prayer so uh, the, uh, yeah there is a there is a connection there that we have when we when we connect with God. Good for you. Good uh, for you. What do, what would you agree? Do you think that? That prayer does good for the person who prays. Oh, absolutely! It's a part of our, uh, part, not only from a, I mean, what you talked about of lifting off of ourselves, but just uh, when you connect or feel like you connect with the God of the universe. I mean, that's just uh, that yeah. does something for us uh, there. Uh, sw- switching. Uh, gears here you you did spend some time uh, talking about uh, some of the more difficult sides or would be uh, probably uh, when you talk about forgiveness uh, there that's not what we think of when we think of happiness is forgiveness no, no, uh, uh, 
but but how how are forgiveness and happiness intertwined? Well, um, I remember in the research for this book, I, I came across a, a particular paper that was entitled "Granting Forgiveness or Harboring Grudges," and in it, um, researchers invited people to reflect on a person who had caused them harm, uh, and just the thought of that person led to a uh, variety of negative manifestations like sweaty palms, facial muscle tension, higher heart rate, increased blood pressure. And then when those subjects were invited to just consider, just consider the possibility of forgiveness, all those physiological issues were reversed. Just to imagine, not even achieving, but just imagining the possibility of forgiveness does good for us. It does good for us. It is healthier. It's, it's no wonder then that, that the Apostle Paul said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. His phrase there, tenderhearted, is telling because the opposite of tenderhearted is hardhearted. Hard-heartedness does not create happiness. It does not. Hard-heartedness creates scrooges. <laughs> it creates misery. And so uh, I'm not saying, and, and this is the topic that is most difficult for people. Uh, and in this chapter, I talk about how Jesus uh, gave forgiveness to the disciples before they betrayed him. In the upper room on the night before his crucifixion, he washed the feet of all of the disciples. He washed all their feet. And this would even include even Judas, uh, who, 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 who did betray him. Uh, and this would have taken a long time. You know, if he would have spent at minimum four or five minutes uh, with every set of feet of the disciples, this is an hour-long process. He's down to the last moments of his life. He is down to the—before before the clock—before— uh, long before the day has had a chance of 24 hours to pass, he will be dead and buried. He would have been crucified. He would have been whipped and, and wore a crown of thorns. I mean, he knows what's about to happen to him. But he chooses in his final moments to go through an act of forgiveness. I think what he's teaching us there is that forgiveness is the most important thing we can do. Uh, the world is held together not by perfection, but by forgiveness. And And I would encourage people who uh, and I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, for me right now, I, I think the Lord is bringing to my mind two or three people that I just need to, I need to wash, you know, wash their feet. I, I need to say, okay, I, let's move on. It's not easy. Uh, but, but, but the Lord will help us here. He will. And, and in the book, I talk about some specific ways we can take steps toward forgiveness. But I am convinced that unhappy people are people who are mired in resentment. And that happy people are those who have learned how to move on into a new chapter. I think that was uh, from the book. One of my uh, one of the powerful moments was when just thinking about uh, Jesus washing that feet and and how long. Yeah, I get till till I read that, I, I didn't think about how long that whole process would have yeah. taken. I mean, just yeah. logistically that, and right. what a sacred moment. You know, exactly. That whole whole hour and of to, just sitting there. And to think he's using his last hour. He's not preaching. He's not talking. He's not giving them instructions. 
But he does say at the end of this, just as I've done for you, now you do also for others, for one another. Uh, the, at the end of the book, you uh, you lay out the happiness challenge, uh, and I, I I love that as a uh, as a way practical way to I'm, I'm all about the practice. I, lo- I love that. Uh, uh, what what is the happiness challenge? Well, I, you know, to, to to try to put this into perspective and, and put it to use, uh, I challenge people. I challenge people to take the happiness challenge to to put it to use, to see if they can, over a period of time, uh, you know, uh, if, if, if they can make one person, I'm, I'm sorry, if they can make 100 people happy over 40 days, let me get the numbers right, 100 people happy over 40 days, if they can just uh, intentionally try to make a difference in the life of a hundred people over 40 days, and then record that in a journal. Uh, write down what happened. Uh, in the book, it's kind of a long story, so I won't read the whole thing, but but one of them that really, really stuck with me was one time when I got on an airplane in Minneapolis, and the plane had was two hours late because the, the, the airline attendants were late in arriving in another town, uh, late in arriving from another town, and, and to get on the plane, they had to walk right through a, a boarding gate full of passengers, and everybody was grumpy. And so did you know that some people actually booed them as they walked past? They said, boo, boo. It was terrible, but it was late. It was cold. We were boarding the flight at like 1030 at night as opposed to 830 at night. Everybody was grumpy. Uh, we got on the plane. It was Since it was so cold, everybody had winter coats, so all the all the uh, storage bins were full. And I noticed this one particular flight attendant, she was just beat up. And so I made it a point, at, 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 after the flight had taken off, I made it a point to stand up and leave my chair and go find her. And I said to her, I really appreciate your hard work. That's all I said. You know, she started crying. She started crying. And I thought to myself, I could do this all the time. And, and so my idea is I just need to develop this habit of giving happiness. And as a result, I become a happier person. And so that's the 100 Happy People Challenge. Uh, over 40 days, do, do it 40, do it 100 times. I think you'll be amazed the difference it makes in your life. That's, that's amazing. That's a, uh, such a great practical thing that anyone can do you don't have yeah. to you don't have to be a super christian someone with all the answers anyone could do that exactly uh, uh, well i i appreciate your time we need to be, uh, bring this to an end but uh, i always like to uh, they can find it uh, i'm guessing that it's going to be available wherever <laughs> wherever books are sold uh, absolutely absolutely uh, pre-sales are i believe june the 7th and then it's available in, in on Amazon, or I have a web page, maxlocato.com. Uh, but then, yeah, bookstores, right. it'll be out. Right. Any, uh, I always like to give uh, my guest, uh, if there's any f- final ask that you have of the audience, anything, any final takeaway that they would uh, like to, or that you'd like to give them before we wait, yeah. sign off today? By the way, thanks for the great interview. Really great job. You know what? I would encourage, if I could encourage everyone listening to envision a better version of you. Just envision it. Envision a person 
envision yourself as the one who everybody is happy to see, as the one who really uh, is uh, has such a case of happiness that you're contagious. You know, right? We live in an age uh, where Christians are sometimes known for what we're against instead of what we're for. Uh, where, where we're immediately perceived as the negative one. That's hogwash. That cannot be the case. We serve an almighty God. We know that he loves us. He's changed us. He's redeemed us. So if anybody has an opportunity to bring happiness into the world, uh, it, it should and could be us. I remember reading, it's not in the book, but it, even since the book came out, I remember reading Dwight Eisenhower, uh, during World War II, when he would meet with his generals at Malta, uh, he would he would begin many of the meetings by saying, "No grumps allowed. There will be only happiness at this table." Here are men <laughs> burdened with ch- saving the world, and he was saying, "No grumps allowed. There will be happiness in this only in this room." I'm thinking about carving that in the archway as as to the entryway of our church. No grumps allowed. There will only be happiness here. I think there's a, that, that, that'd be good. Let's envision a version of our lives when we really make the world happy. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I might have to get that sign somewhere, too. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, and, and everyone go out and get yourself a copy of How Happiness Happens, and I'm guessing you'll be happy as a result of it. So. Well, I'm right. happy to have been with you. All right, thank you. God, God bless you, Max. All right, Kevin. Good to talk to you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and have some practical takeaway for your journey today. Uh, maybe it's just going out and, and picking up his latest book and using that as a, a basis for uh, the next little season and what God has for you and diving into experiencing all the ha- happiness that is possible. Uh, if you did enjoy that, uh, why don't you subscribe to the podcast or maybe go back and listen to some of our other episodes uh, that we've had in the past just to kind of get a flavor for what we're about because we exist to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's our, our passion. We want you to experience all of him that is possible in your life, the the joy of spending time with him, the joy of walking with Jesus. And so uh, check out those uh, episodes in the past or just subscribe and uh, stay with us on the journey in the future. If you're looking for the show notes, you can go on over to enjoyingprayer.org and then just click on podcast. Again, that's enjoyingprayer.org and click on the podcast. And while you're there, maybe you'll Max was talking about uh, praying for your pastor or prayer uh, for pastor's ministry. Uh, We've got lots of resources on our website to help you with that on your journey. So uh, I thank you today for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. And until next time, God bless. 